Episode four. Welcome to the podcast. That was really hype, Michael. <laughs> Thank you for that hype. I'm here to bring the hype. <laughs> At Nathaniel. <laughs> Welcome to episode four of the podcast, where we are going to talk about some exciting things. Definitely Graham, some exciting things. What are they, Graham? So we're going to kick off the conversation talking about whether or not caffeine is a drug. And, I mean, obviously, technically, it is classified as a drug. But what the implications of that for are Christian. You know, basically, some drugs are okay, some drugs are not. Then we're going to talk about whether or not we should say Yeshua or Jesus or Yeshua or however you pronounce it. Because some people think that, you know, we shouldn't use the English word for Jesus. We should use the Hebrew name for Jesus. And then the big kicker to to kind of wrap it up. What is the difference between the magic in Narnia, Lord of the Rings, and Harry Potter? Because that's something that people really like to talk about, you know, and argue about a lot. Which is funny because it is one of the least relevant, uh, you know, most what board Christians talk about mm-hmm. type things to obsess about. But people get so heated and so defensive over it. So just diving right into it. What about caffeine? Is caffeine a drug? And what does that mean for Christians? Michael, thoughts? We're cold turkeying this one. We've this usually we talk about a lot of these things in advance to kind of collect some thoughts and gather some talking points. But the the caffeine is a drug thing. We're completely just cold turkeying this. So yeah. this is the first time this is coming out. It is. So there's no like pre premeditated thoughts. Mm-mm, I have um, no idea what you're thinking about it. So this truly is just whatever, mm-hmm. whatever we think. Um, well, I guess my first question is, is our dr- drugs inherently immoral? Good question. And I have no idea what the Bible says about that. Yeah, that that really is the question. Are drugs inherently immoral? And then are there some drugs that are okay and some drugs that are not? Because not all drugs are equal. Not all drugs do the same thing. There's there's drugs for all kinds of different things. Then you've got coffee, which is not some people would argue has medical benefits and it does have some, mm-hmm. right? But it's mostly for pleasure. Mm-hmm. You know, like caffeine is mostly mostly to give you energy mm-hmm. and help you feel good. Um and then there's drugs that are like completely recreational but are not so great for you. Mm-hmm. People have differences of opinion even on marijuana mm-hmm. and Coke and then like cocaine, like some people are okay with marijuana, but not cocaine and heroin. Some people think it's all bad. So it's hard to discuss caffeine without just addressing the drug issue as a whole. Right. Don't want to get into it too much because we we may have a future episode where we dive into the whole weed issue and a biblical view on that at mm-hmm. a later date. Yeah. So we're going to try to keep this focus to caffeine. I see. My opinion as of right now... Um, and it could, like I said, I hold it loosely because this isn't something we've uh, discussed. This isn't something I have spent a lot of time thinking about. But I think drugs are um, not inherently a sin. Mm-hmm. Like, across the board. Like, I don't think there's anything immoral about doing heroin. Hot take. I don't think there's anything immoral. You just got canceled by a lot of Christians, <laughs> which is ironic because most Christians hate cancel culture. But they just canceled you when you said that thing. It's already done. 
It's already done. I can't undo it? Can't undo it. And it's what if the, I apologize? It's in the creed. Michael's canceled. Dang it. There is no forgiveness in Christianity. Thanks for watching the podcast. <laughs> um, that's it. No. There's nothing like Anyways, that. that's a pretty hot take. Well, nothing so, inherently wrong with doing heroin. Here's So here's what I mean by that. If a governing, if your governing authority says that you're not allowed to do it, if it's if it's illegal, mm-hmm. then I think doing it is is, is wrong, inherently wrong. Like I think that mm-hmm. it's it's immoral, and I think that's true of anything. So whether it's like drinking underage, or uh, weed, or heroin, cocaine, like I think those things. If if the government says you can't do it, even silly laws we might disagree with, right? Maybe where I would change my mind is like your body is a temple. The Lord belongs in your body. You got to take good care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can say, well, okay, heroin is not taking care of your body, so it's a sin. Neither is chocolate. But dude, like, if we're gonna say that doing heroin is a sin because you're not taking care of your body, then there is a lot more that we need to call a soda sin. rots your teeth. Oh yeah, I mean the it's the list goes on. Fast food, so fast food is a sin. Fast food is a sin. It's terrible for you. Talk about destroying a temple. And I think if you want to make that argument, that's fine. But I really think you would just have to be consistent across the board. And I don't, and you know, like I'm not ready to make that that claim. Like just because mm-hmm. it's not good for your body, mm-hmm. I don't think that means that uh, it's a sin. You're sinning because it's bad for your body. But like something like Delta Eight or Delta Nine. Kind of of the opinion, like, it's legal and it has certain effects. I don't think it's a sin, you know? But is it a good idea? But is it a good idea? I mean, I, no, probably not. There is um, what the Bible calls being sober-minded, mm-hmm. you know? And that doesn't just refer to alcohol. That's, that's all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so maybe there is a level of being high off of Delta eight, that is, you're still sober, but you're feeling a bit of a buzz and maybe that's fine. And so I would almost put caffeine in that same category. Using Delta eight as the example is probably unpopular, but using alcohol, maybe that's a little more common. I might not tell my mom to listen to this episode, (laughs) you know, fair enough. I will probably not tell my parents either. Like, Mom, please listen to episodes one, two, and three, but four, like, skip that. Maybe We didn't record an episode four. We went straight to five. Yeah, we skipped four. We skipped four? I don't know why. Big ol' X through four. Something like alcohol, you know. Again, another later episode. Yeah. Is... Like there is a there's a healthy level and there's an unhealthy level. There's there's a point where you're mm-hmm. sober and have had a drink, mm-hmm. and there's a point where you are no longer sober because you've had too much to drink. Yeah. Then I think that there is a point um, where they're like you are too reliant on caffeine, you know, and and there's just an unhealthy dependency. And for anybody listening again, that may have differing views on the alcohol issue too. Because that's something on our schedule eventually to get to is whether or not Christians can drink and what the implications of that conversation are. So that's an episode or at least a part of an episode that we'll have at a later date. Um, But I don't want to assume that everyone listening has the view of some drinking is fine. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that's 
like I said, that's a whole nother issue. But to your point and relating it to caffeine, uh, yeah. Whether or not you're dependent on something, I think, is a big factor in that. And I think one argument against like some of the stronger drugs would be their addictive nature. Not everything um, is as addictive as like there are some substances that are just naturally more addictive than other substances. And now for me, practically coffee, um, I like to live in a state of not being dependent on coffee. And I think it's okay to enjoy coffee, but I don't, I don't think we are supposed to be dependent on substances. And I don't think that honors the Lord. That's just my opinion. I think we're supposed to be dependent on Jesus and we're supposed to be dependent on each other. You know, we Mm -hmm. are, we're designed to need God and we're designed to need each other. Even before the fall happened, God looks at Adam and says, it's not good that you're alone. So God never intended himself to be enough for Adam. God created Adam with a hole in his heart that God could not fill. Mm -hmm. He was supposed to have that hole filled by another person. So I think we're supposed to depend on God, but he's not supposed to be enough with us. He's designed us to need more people. He's designed us to need spouses. Um, and he's designed us to need the church. You know, these are mm-hmm. legitimate needs and things he's designed us to be dependent on. But other substance, he's obviously designed us to be dependent on sustenance, too, and food. I don't think that he, it's in his design for us to be addicted or the slave, because mm-hmm. when you're when you're addicted, you're essentially a slave to that thing. Yep. And it's not his will for us to be in bondage to anything. So I think the issue with some of the, those stronger drugs is it's just very difficult and near impossible for most people to enjoy those things mm-hmm. and not be a slave to them. And I think that's where it becomes: is it immoral? I'm not sure. You could maybe convince me. Is it unwise? Well, yeah. I I mean, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I would not suggest to anybody that they should go try heroin. Right. Um, But but to your point, I think the fruit fruit of the Spirit, including self-control, should show you what the Lord's heart is when it comes to things like addiction Mm -hmm. and dependencies. Yeah. Like, you should have Mm self-control. And that can play out in a lot of different ways. So addiction to, like, nicotine. Right, that's super common. That's probably the, that's got to be one of the most common, common addictions, addictions easily, at least in you know. I'm not sure. I looked well, it up beforehand, but I would imagine it's either nicotine or nicotine, alcohol, or pornography. I would imagine yeah. are the most. They got to be the like the top three. Well, if you think, I mean, anybody that's over the age of forty, half of them smoke cigarettes. Probably more than half. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's under the age of forty, probably eighty percent of them use vapes Mm -hmm. and so i mean those are those are all addictions and it's something that you yourself cannot control when you have a craving you have to follow through with that and i think that isn't the lord's heart for man right you know is to be like you said a slave to those things so then the implications from there like that's when i think you know, it's, it's, so, that's when I think it becomes unwise to do something like heroin. That's yeah. when I think it becomes unwise to, you know, mm-hmm. buy a two liter of soda every time you go to the store. Because, well, every night I sit down and I have my, you know, I have my, my Coca-Cola and I watch my football game. And that's what I do every night. Well, maybe you mm-hmm. shouldn't. Because that sounds kind of like an addiction. An addiction. Yeah. And 
it may not have it may not show up it may not be as damaging as something like an alcohol addiction but it's still an addiction it's still an addiction that you can't control it's still a dependency on something you were not designed to be dependent on yeah yeah i think that's a really good point um I think that another element, though, of the discussion for whether or not it's wrong is whether or not you're convicted that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Because Paul does say whatever is not from faith is sin. So if you're not sure if something's wrong and you think it might be, there's any doubt in your mind, then it's wrong for you to do it at least. Or if you're convicted that something's wrong, even if it's not biblically wrong... If you think you're rebelling by doing it, you're still in sin. You're still intentionally rebelling, at least in your mind, and God counts that. Mm-hmm. Um, I used the illustration a while back of, like, if you have this weird conviction that's obviously not rooted anywhere in Scripture, that it's a sin to wear purple socks. Obviously, we know that's not a sin. But if you think it's a sin to wear purple socks, it's a sin for you to wear purple socks. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the... The thing is that there's a lot of people listening. I would imagine. Well, I don't know that there's a lot of people listening. <laughs> not yet. But not yet. But I think there's some people that that are listening, or people that w- would listen, who would hear that, and instantly they're starting to make their own arguments mm-hmm. and rationalizations in their head of why that some of the stronger jokes, they're definitely wrong. And how can you possibly say that there's no Mm. inherent moral issue with them? Well, I understand the desire to make those arguments. And I think it comes from a good place of, of wanting to maintain purity and be wise and make good, healthy decisions and take care of the temple. And some of those, some of those thoughts are going through my head as well. Like trying to rationalize why no, this is, this is definitely a sin. Um, but I think we have to be a little bit careful. Like the one thing I want to guard against as we do that, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. One mistake that the Pharisees made that Jesus was really not happy with them for is they took the law of God and they said, this is good. And because this is good, here are some other good things that we can kind of rationalize from this. And they set up all of these other rules and to the point where they added to the law. And that was one of Jesus's biggest beefs with them. Mm Mm-hmm. So I understand, like, rationalizing, like, we've done. Why? Is it wrong? Well, I don't know if I can say that it is, but I can tell you it's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't do it for these reasons. And that's okay. But the moment we start going, like, well, if it's not God's best for us, then it's Mm -hmm. sin. Mm -hmm. And we start coming up with all these other rationalizations. That's where it gets easy to fall into the trap of legalism Mm -hmm. and start adding all of these other things that the Bible doesn't say. Right. And that's what we want to be careful about. Yeah. And so that's where, like, even as I was saying um, that there's like, is it is it immoral? I don't think so. Is it unwise? Yes. Then it's like even that conversation using those words, it's like, well, if it's unwise, then surely it's a sin. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. That's not something I've like looked into. But but I think you're right in that. There is no, even in Leviticus, where there's 600, you're not Leviticus, but in the Torah, where there's 630 something laws, nowhere does it, ex- I mean, and there was like drugs, then there were things you could take to hallucinate. There were things mm-hmm. you could take. They absolutely did it. As downers. And mm-hmm. I mean, but the, the Bible's silent on it. And that One. doesn't mean there aren't principles that you can carry from 
you know, from the law and apply mm-hmm. the current day drug epidemic. But I think to make a law out of it, to make it a morality issue. Mm-hmm. Is you tough. can build a stronger case that it's a sin to boil a goat in its mother's milk mm-hmm. than that it's a sin to do heroin. Yeah. You know, like you said, there's all these weird, weird yeah. laws in the Old Testament, but there's nothing about about drug use explicitly there. Right. So we don't we want to be careful of like while I think it's a good idea to advise against that and you can use the Bible to develop some kind of good principles for decision making and why this is a good idea. We want to be careful about adding to scripture. We want to be consistent in that the Bible is our final authority. Even if you disagree with some of the things that we've said about this argument, at least we can all agree that the Bible needs to be our final authority. And that's what we need to come back to. And that's all we're trying to be careful about doing is saying, yeah, let's not say things the Bible doesn't say, but let's use the Bible to at least have principles for making good, wise decisions. And this would be a conversation that I'd be happy I would be down to have this conversation with somebody. I don't have, like, like I said, those are my opinions and those are, mm-hmm. that's where I'm at, but I'm not well studied. I'm more than welcome, like more than happy to talk to or message back and forth with somebody about drug use and alcohol yeah. or, you know, yeah, how those things play into a Christian's life. I mean, I think it's a conversation worth having. I mean, so far we've kind of mostly talked about the implications of this in theory. But on a practical note, too, for me personally, as when it comes to coffee, since we're talking about mm. caffeine, yep. I do hold the conviction that it is wrong for me to be dependent on substances I was not created to be dependent upon. Yeah. So as silly as it seems, I love coffee, but I don't have it every day mm-hmm. because I don't want to be in a place of dependence on it. And it's very easy for me to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I say coffee. I know caffeine's in soda as well, but I have I, I can't do caffeine or I can't do soda because I have a weird condition where I can't do carbonation, anything with bubbles in it. Coffee is really my only access to caffeine. Yeah. And so I think it's helped me to easier see how easy it is to become dependent on caffeine. People that drink soda and coffee, they may not even be aware of how mm-hmm. dependent they are on caffeine. But because coffee is my only access to caffeine, I'm very aware of how easily it is to become dependent on it. I go to Honduras like three times a year. While I'm there... I drink so much coffee. I have like three or four cups a day Mm -hmm. because it's amazing. That's where they grow coffee. We're working up in the mountains where they're growing coffee, you know, and so you're never going to have better coffee. So it'd be a sin not to have it while you're there. That's (laughs) at least that's how I feel. Mm -hmm. And also, like, as we're going out and sharing, sharing the gospel and installing water filters in people's homes, Bible talks about in Luke 10. I know we talked a little bit about evangelism in the last episode. One of the things it says is when you do find that house of peace and the people that welcome you in Eat what is given to you, like Mm -hmm. accept their provisions. Don't take water. Don't take any provisions for yourself, but receive their provisions. So if their main export is coffee and they're giving me coffee, then the Bible tells me that I have to accept that. Amen. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) but when I, I've noticed when I come back from Honduras, even in a week, I've become extremely caffeine dependent Mm -hmm. where if I go a day without coffee, Or sometimes if I go a day only having one cup of coffee, I get the worst headache. Mm -hmm. And so I have to I have kind of like mild withdrawal symptoms from that. And I have to kind of wean myself off. Usually like I'll take a couple naproxen for the headache to kind Mm -hmm. of make the headache go away, but not intentionally not have caffeine. 
And then usually by and by the next day, I don't have to do that again. Yeah. And I'm off the caffeine and I can once again enjoy coffee as a once in a while, you know, maybe have a coffee with a friend during the week, but mm-hmm. not having it a daily ritual for well, me. Well, the reason the Honduran coffee gives you a headache is because they put heroin in Honduran coffee. Mm, so yeah, it's a common so Honduran tradition, actually. So. It's actually not true. That's not true. listening, but it it's could be funny. true. That's funny. I, yeah, no. So for me, when it comes to um, caffeine, coffee specifically, because I also don't do sugary carbonated drinks, uh, I don't do those because I just don't like them. Maybe like once or twice a year, maybe. Mm-hmm. But but coffee, I drink a cup of coffee, maybe two a day. There was a point where I was drinking four to five <laughs> cups of coffee. Like me day. when I'm in Honduras. <laughs> yeah. And it was and it was unhealthy. Like it was just like, first of all, makes your teeth brown, makes you jittery. Definitely getting prostate cancer one day. Yeah, maybe one day. No, I think I stopped it soon enough. But <laughs> but it was yeah, it was true. Like there was just I felt like there was just this dependency on coffee that I didn't want to have. And so so I slowly kind of weaned off four cups of coffee to one cup of coffee. And in the summer when it's hot, sometimes I don't drink coffee at all because it's just mm. it's too hot for coffee. And so you're at a place where you don't feel like you're dependent on it. Yeah. And so that was, that was, you know, fairly recent. I mean, I guess that was probably two years ago, maybe, or two and a half years ago that I was like, I just realized, man, this is probably an unhealthy dependency. I think there's like a lack of self-control there. And so in an effort to to control myself. I'm just going to try and wean it off and see how it goes. And it was good. And so I think that's where I'm at now. It's just one cup of coffee a day. Maybe if I'm like meeting up with a friend, I'll have two, but I don't feel like I'm dependent. Now there are people also, we didn't mention this, but I think it's worth noting. There are all are also people that think any and all drugs are bad, including ones that are like given to you to help you get over a sickness, mm. like any type of medical drugs. And so they're very anti-medicine, you know, and like only natural remedies, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's very popular. Uh, it's a growingly popular belief. I think in mm-hmm. a lot of Christian circles is that they're that all medication, all drugs is bad. You should reject that and you just need to be healed. Mm. So there's a movement that kind of thinks like that as well. I have the same issue with that that I had that we kind of talked about a little while ago of like, let's not add to scripture. If scripture doesn't say this is wrong, why are you saying something is wrong that the scripture doesn't say is wrong? Like, even if you make some interesting points and you feel like you're drawing principles from scripture to argue against medicine, at the same time, I want to be careful of saying against saying explicit things that scripture does not say. Mm-hmm. But I think the the main takeaways from this conversation, from what we've talked about, is just on a practical level. Don't be dependent on any substance you weren't created to be dependent on. And if you're addicted to coffee, then you're 100% going to hell with the pocket drafts. Yep. Put it in the creed. Put it in the creed, baby. Sweet. <laughs> So next up, we have the question of whether or not we should say Yeshua or Jesus or Yeshua, however you pronounce it. People pronounce it differently. The point is, and some people may not even be aware of this argument. I feel like we say that for a lot of the things we discuss on Mm -hmm. this podcast. But there are legitimately people out there who think that it's a sin 
to refer to Jesus as Jesus. I didn't know that. There are. And that you should only say Yeshua because that's his given Hebrew name. I actually was witnessing to a guy on Main Street one time that his determiner for whether or not somebody was a legit follower of Jesus was whether or not they said Yeshua. And that what? if they said Jesus, they were false Christians. So there are there are some people out there that are that intense. That's crazy. Was, now, he, was he also drinking Hunter and coffee? I, I, I think he was drinking something. If I'm being honest, <laughs> but, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know for sure. Yeah. But there are, I mean, there are people in the middle too that are like, well, you can say Jesus, but I think it'd be better if you said Yeshua. So, and that's mm-hmm. kind of like just the hyper spiritual, um, almost snobby people. Sorry to anybody that thinks that not yeah, trying no to call offense. you out. I think it, it does have, it is a conversation with some interesting implications because as a bilingual person myself, one thing that I learned in interpreting school was when you are introducing yourself to somebody, you are not supposed to translate your name. Mm. Like your name is Michael and Michael has a Spanish equivalent. Mm-hmm. In Spanish, it's Miguel. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you go to Honduras with me, good interpretation practices would state you're not really supposed to introduce yourself as Miguel Mm. because that's not what you're called. Right. Your family doesn't call you Miguel. Your friends don't call you Miguel. They call you Michael. Mm -hmm. And so if they're getting to know you, they're supposed to learn what it is that you are called and you are called Michael. So you're supposed to introduce yourself as Michael. And the expectation is that they're supposed to learn how to pronounce your name. Yeah. I'm bad about that. Mm -hmm. And Graham doesn't even have a Spanish equivalent. Mm. So literally for me, it's just doing a, Spanish pronunciation of how my name is spelled. And I got really lazy about it because people have a hard time saying Graham mm. and, and with a Spanish accent. So I started pre- introducing myself self as Graham mm-hmm. because Graham is much easier to pronounce and phonetically like that's how they would read it. Mm-hmm. That's how they would pronounce it. But when we started working with Dennis, I had I'd gotten I'd gotten lazy at that point, and I just introduced myself as Graham, mm-hmm. and he was talking to Rose, who's the ministry leader, about me about Graham, and she's like, "Who's Graham?" And she could not figure out who it was mm-hmm. for a little while. And when she figured out it was me, she's like, "Why did you tell him that your name was mm-hmm. Graham?" I'm like, "Was well, because it's easier." You know, I just got lazy. He's since learned my name, and he knows it's it's Graham. And of course, he still says it with a little bit of an accent, but he's learned Graham. And so I've I've tried to correct that lazy habit. Yeah. Of like introducing myself as Graham and letting them go through the the attempts mm-hmm. to learn how to say my name because that's what's more personable. That's what you're supposed to do. So I think that's that's I mean that's all really interesting stuff. I actually didn't know that. I would have assumed you just give them the Spanish equivalent. It's not what you're supposed to do. And so I guess probably for somebody listening, maybe what they're wondering is, well, why does it even? matter like are we literally just talking like what's polite right is that Mm -hmm. is that what we're asking is it just polite to call jesus by his actual name yeshua but i think when i when we talk about this what comes to mind is romans romans 10 where it talks about calling upon the name of the lord to be saved which says for with the heart one believes and is justified with the mouth one confesses and is saved but the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame There is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call 
on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you call on his name, you'll be saved. That's pretty high stakes. Mm-hmm. What if you call him by the wrong name? What if you call him by the wrong name? And then he's like, huh? You That's know? where I think some people have gotten that extreme where they're like, if you say Jesus, you're not saved. Yeah. <laughs> you have to call on Yeshua. Yeah, because it's not his name. He's not even going to hear you. It's Jesus. I he's actually. Like, That's not me. I'm not. I'm not Jesus. I'm Yeshua. Who are you talking to? Actually, he heard probably is super like random. But this morning, I was watching a YouTube clip, and it was an interview with Jamie Fox. You know Jamie Fox, the actor. Yeah, Electro from Spider Man. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> well, anyways, Jamie Fox. Uh, that's not his real name. Jamie, his name is not Jamie Fox. Really? It's something very plain. Something like Eric Bishop. Very lame name. He huh. changed his name to Jamie Fox because he noticed in auditions, uh, or not auditions, but call lists. He would get women got called back for auditions more. So he changed his name to something that sounded more feminine. So he would get more callbacks for roles. Hilarious. It's uh, Eric Marland Bishop. Eric Marland Bishop. Marlon, no, Marlon, not Marlon. Marlon. Eric Eric Marlon Bishop. And so Jamie Foxx changed his name to Jamie Foxx because he would get more calls. And he did. Well, anyways, people backstage thought he was really arrogant when he was like early in his career because mm-hmm. he never answered his name to his name. People would call, "Hey, Jamie Fox," you know, "Oh my gosh, Jamie," and then but he wouldn't respond because he just didn't know that was his name. Like he wasn't like used to being used- called <laughs> Jamie Fox yet. So, anyways, that's kind of comes to mind when it's like, "That's Jesus really save me," and Jesus is like, blown. "He's just Jesus is just like." Looking around, he doesn't. He doesn't even realize. You're like, Jesus, save me! Jesus, save me! Oh, oh, you're talking to me? Oh, <laughs> sorry, that's not my name. Uh, you know, yeah. But it's like it's like when that people idea. call you by the wrong name. Like people call me Andrew all the time because that's my mm-hmm. older brother. Gotcha. But I'm too shy to like correct me. Oh, my name's Michael. So maybe that's Jesus. He's like, everybody's calling him Jesus, and he's like, okay. My my name's maybe. Yeshua, but. But. That's crazy about Jamie Foxx. I did not know that. that That's it's funny, but I also appreciate how genius that is. Yeah, honestly, like that's that's a shrewd move right there. Like to notice that and be like, I'm going to give myself a feminine name so I get. It worked for him. It He's did. super famous yeah. now. He's killing it. Um, I, yeah. So when it comes to Yeshua, I mean, what do mm-hmm. you think? Where Where's your opinion? Well. I, I like your points. I, I like what you said. Um, and going back to the Spanish illustration, too, like you could tell people that your name is Miguel and you would answer to it probably, but you're not going to respond to it as quickly as you respond to Michael. And for a while, there's probably going to be people, pe- people going Miguel and you're going to have the same response as Jamie Foxx of like mm-hmm. just not hearing him because that's not what you're used to responding to. God, I don't think, has the same limitations that we have. Mm-hmm. He sees all. Nothing is hidden from his sight. If you're calling on him and you're using a different name than the given one that Jesus had, I think he's aware. And I think he knows that you're talking to him. And Jesus was no stranger to nicknames. Okay, first off, there's a lot of names given to to Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. the Lamb of God, Son of Man. He had a lot of titles that he liked True. to use for himself. He gave other people nicknames. Mm-hmm. James and John were the sons of thunder. Okay. Peter was formerly Simon. Right. Right. Sometimes. So he was Simon. Then he was Peter. Sometimes when he was acting a fool, he was Simon Peter. Yeah. You know, so Jesus used nicknames 
And there was even a Greek equivalent. What is it? Cephas is the Greek for Peter. Mm-hmm. So that so Peter so Simon is Peter, but is also Cephas. Mm-hmm. And you got all three that's used in the Bible. Yeah. Also, the New Testament is written in Greek, mostly. Most of it's written in Greek, and the Greek word for Jesus actually looks more like Jesus mm. and is pronounced more like Jesus than Yeshua. Yeshua is his Hebrew given Hebrew, name. Yeah. And it is true that Jesus and his disciples probably would not have been speaking as much Greek as Hebrew. Mm. They would have spoken, I mean, Roman culture, right? But also they were Hebrew. That was their religion. That was their heritage. So they would have spoke well, Hebrew. And so Jesus' Hebrew name, yes, was Yeshua. But most of the time they do even see it recorded in the manuscripts. It's the Greek word, which looks more like Jesus. You know, if we as humans can handle nicknames and we can make adjustments mm -hmm. to people calling us the wrong thing, I think Jesus is more capable of that. And he understands when you don't call him by his given name. Now, I do think there is a beauty mm -hmm. in calling Jesus what he would have originally been called. Just like in Spanish, will I answer to Graham because it's easier for people? Yeah, of course. But does it mean something a little extra mm -hmm. special to me when they take the time and the intentionality to learn how to pronounce my mm -hmm. given name in English? Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I think Jesus, I think it probably means a little something to him, too. Mm -hmm. When we, so I like that a lot of songs now are using Yeshua mm -hmm. and like, let's, let's learn Jesus's actual given Hebrew name. I think that's wonderful. I fully support it. But I don't think we need to villainize mm. and condemn the use of Jesus because that is what we're used to calling him. I think he's used to answering to that mm -hmm. by now. And he doesn't have the same limitations that we do where he's like, oh, I didn't realize you were talking to me because you said Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, how silly is that to even think about, mm -hmm. you know? That's interesting. That's a really interesting way to humanize Jesus. Um, just the idea like that he would, oh, like, you know, in a sense, calling him by his Hebrew name would just, you know, take him back to the good old days when he was just chilling on earth with his, you know, 12 buddies. And it's really interesting that, like, there may be a special appreciation there for being mm -hmm. called by his given Hebrew name. But it's not like, oh, you're not saved if you called on Jesus instead of Yeshua. Yeah, I mean... That's silly. Even in Revelation um, 7, Revelation 9, where it talks about, like, all of the nations in every tribe, in every tongue, calling out to the Lord and praising him and, like, just in the same way that there is beauty in calling him by his given name, there's also beauty in the diversity of... And all the different names for Jesus. Of names for Jesus. There's just a beauty mm -hmm. in the fact that, like, you know, you can get a mm -hmm. hundred different people in a room from all over the globe, and they all have a, uh, they all have a name. They all have a, a different way of saying... Of referring to the same... To the same Lord, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that's really... That's, that's really special, point. too. So, that's a good point. I really like that. There's beauty in both. Yeah, absolutely. There's beauty in the diversity, mm -hmm. and there's beauty in the being um, unified mm -hmm. with 
ancient Jewish people. Yeah. That were calling on the name of Yeshua to be saved. So that's pretty cool. Without getting too into the weeds, what I'm more concerned about is worshiping a wrong Jesus because we've created a different version of Jesus in our heads. Mm-hmm. Like some people are like, you know, like like we said, the extreme people are like, well, if you say Jesus, you're not actually praying to Yeshua. You're praying to Jesus and that's some person you've made up and you're not really following mm-hmm. the true God. That's silly to me. Mm-hmm. As long as you're following the God of the Bible that <laughs> the scriptures explain, he knows that he gets that he doesn't have that that limitation. I think you're fine. But I do think more so than using a name, what I am concerned about is a lot of people have have this idea of how they want to think about Jesus in their head, and maybe it's kind of loosely based on Scripture. Like, well, I like some of these things from the Bible. He kind of sounds nice when he did this mm-hmm. and that. And so they have this version of Jesus, kind of this caricature, if you will, that they want to worship, and they do create for themselves, basically, an alternate version of Jesus that's a false god that they would rather worship mm-hmm. than the Jesus of the Bible. Yeah. And then they begin to interpret the Bible through the lens of the Jesus they want to see. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have more worry about and more concern about than whether or not you say Jesus or Yeshua. Right. I think there are some people that really admire and enjoy and respect the Jesus that made a whip and drove out the money changers mm-hmm. uh, like you talked about at Homestead just recently. And I think that they then take that Jesus from that instance mm-hmm. and they put that Jesus everywhere. Yeah. And he's always the one that's just like ready to smack down rap battle. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> and just like lay into people and Jesus is just looking for every moment to just, you know, just dunk on. He just wants to dunk on everybody, mm-hmm. make everybody look like a fool. And they see Jesus that way. And it's just like mm-hmm. every interaction he has is him trying to be intense and in brutal and in your face and like, he doesn't take crap from anybody. Yeah. And they really like that version of Jesus. And so they, they just created put, they, from the handpicked scriptures. So they put his, so they put that that face, that framework on Jesus throughout mm-hmm. all of the gospels. There's some people that see the the loving, merciful Jesus that says to the woman who was caught in adultery, Does anybody condemn you? Neither do I. So go and sin no more. And they just want to think of Jesus as this Cute, cuddly puppy. Holding a lamb. Oh, just stroking it. You know, just so kind and so sweet all the time. Well, he Mm -hmm. wasn't. Sometimes he was. They like the shepherd view, but they forget that sometimes to help a stubborn sheep, the shepherd would intentionally break the leg of the sheep. Yeah. that's. I don't even know that. That's brutal. I mean, it makes sense. So, you know, and at the end of the day, it's like Jesus is the lion and the lamb. There's a beautiful juxtaposition Mm -hmm. there. He's both. And so... That's that's interesting. Yeah, you're right. That is getting in the weeds. Maybe that's a conversation to dig in more for another time. But and another conversation which we will not dig into this time, but we will dig into at some point <clears throat> is Yahweh and how oh. through all of the Old Testament, when it's capital L O R D, mm-hmm. it's actually Yahweh. And should we read Yahweh? When reading the Old oh, Testament, or should we one. read Lord? I would like to get into that. In I would podcast. love that to is, talk that about is that. Inter- well, I'll have to add that to the list. I don't have that on the list. Now, by the way, for you, for anyone listening, there is a list. Like, we have a list of ideas, like topic ideas for what bored Christians talk about. 
And if you want to submit an idea, um, you never know. Your idea could make it onto the show at some point, and maybe we'll even give you a shout-out and let you know uh, who it came from. We haven't done that so far, and I feel kind of bad. Mm. A lot of the ideas that we've had so far, just as a shout-out, shout out, I know Jesse Steen gave a lot of those ideas. Yep. Um, the Sabbath one, that came from Aaron, who was a former Seventh-day Adventist. So just a couple of quick shout-outs there yeah. to some peeps. But yeah, if you have ideas, you can definitely submit those. Going back to the creating our own versions of Jesus that we worship in there too, I had to laugh a little bit because the the image that came to my mind was the scene from um, Talladega Nights. So mm. <laughs> Will Ferrell movie. I don't know if you've I've seen never it. seen it. No, I can't. I, know a about I can't it. in good conscience as a Christian recommend it necessarily. I mean, like a lot of. Not Will Smith, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, Will yeah. Ferrell movies. I think that's what you said. But. Yeah. But but anyways, a lot of those movies aren't the cleanest, mm-hmm. and I can't recommend everything in them, but they they can be funny. And there's a scene in Talladega Nights where they're all around the dinner table, and they're going to pray, and they're going to say grace, right? And the person praying, Ricky Bobby, he prays to sweet little infant baby Jesus... <laughs> There in his his little that. diaper, you know, that has to be changed. And he's like elaborating <laughs> about this sweet little baby Jesus he wants to pray to. And they interrupt his prayer and they're like, you know, he grew up, right? And he's like, I know that, but I like praying to sweet little baby Jesus. That's the Jesus I like to pray to. When you say the blessing, you can pray to whatever Jesus you want. You can pray to grown-up Jesus, bearded Jesus, hippie Jesus, like whatever version of Jesus you want, you can pray when you're saying the blessing. And it's kind of a comical scene, but people actually do that, though. Like, they do pray to the tend to pray to the version of Jesus that they like Mm. instead of discovering who Jesus is through the scriptures. Mm. Interesting. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. The big one. The big one. The hot topic, which... The reason why most people probably clicked on the link to watch this episode. Because we did a poll on Instagram, too, of what episode people wanted to hear next. And to be completely honest, I was kind of hoping they wouldn't pick this topic. (laughs) But they did. People really want to know about Harry Potter Mm -hmm. and Christian culture. And kind of the argument goes, or the the reason that people are upset and they kind of want an answer is they're like, growing up in Christian culture, Narnia is totally fine and encouraged. Like, it's Christian. It's got Christian symbolism. Lord of the Rings, also Tolkien, was a Christian. And though not as direct as C.S. Lewis, there's still some some clear Christian themes in Lord of the Rings. But how come, you know, there's magic in Narnia, there's magic and straight up wizards mm-hmm. in Lord of the Rings and and evil and necromancy and things like mm-hmm. that in Lord of the Rings. But in Harry Potter, that magic is wrong and mm-hmm. that's sinful and Harry Potter is demonic and Christians shouldn't read the books or watch the movies because it's demonic. So what's the justification for that? Why is the magic and the wizards and the sorcery in Lord of the Rings okay but not in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. That's a question people want an answer to. I'll play the I'll play the fool. Play for the a minute fool because okay. I I just don't really know much about why people feel this way. What I have heard before is that there's some like Latin 
like the the spells in Harry Potter are like actual Latin chants or like are derived from actual Latin chants that real witches do. Have you heard anything about that? I have heard about that. That's one of the most common arguments for why Harry Potter is sinful and wrong and definitely demonic and Christians shouldn't have anything to do with it is they say that the author looked up actual spells and incantations so that it would seem realistic. Um, and she used that to build her world and how kind of magic works in Harry Potter. And the idea is that if kids are reading this or watching them and actually saying the spells out loud, mm. then they're actually inviting real demons and spirits into their lives. Now, there's a lesser view of it, of people that still think it's wrong, and they don't say that specifically, but their argument is that it opens the door for people to be interested enough in wizardry and witchcraft and sorcery that if they're interested in Harry Potter, they may very well chase that rabbit and go down uh, a path of seeking out real magic and real witchcraft in real life. Hmm. So some of some people don't like it for that reason. My issue with that view is that if you take that view, I think in order to be consistent, you have to apply that to the Lord of the Rings as well. Mm. Even if the author was a Christian, because there's still magic, there's still wizards, there's still sorcery, all of that in Lord of the Rings. And you could just as easily make the argument that if people are fascinated by that, then they might chase that rabbit. And look into real life magic as well. So that argument, it's it's inconsistent to apply that argument to only Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as the other argument of like, this is actual witchcraft, that one carries a little bit more weight. If it's true, that's the key. If it's mm -hmm. true, because then you can easily say that the distinction is that C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien didn't do that. They didn't use real witchcraft and real magic. It's just fun make-believe mm -hmm. versus Harry Potter that's like very, very really witchcraft and mm -hmm. demonic. So that's the that's the issue is whether or not that claim is true. Now, I'm not sure where that claim got started. Mm -hmm. I've looked into it some. And what is true is that J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter, did her homework on trying to build a magical world that felt real. What is not true, and what you won't find any evidence of, is that she modeled her spells and incantations off of real-life spells and witchcraft. It's mostly just Latin roots. She did mm. study language, and to make spells sound more authentic, she gave them a Latin sound by using Latin roots. Now, people that have considered Harry Potter to be demonic, probably don't know it enough to say better. But if you actually read the books and watch the movies, like the spell for stopping somebody from falling is arresto momentum. Like, what does that sound like? <laughs> it sounds like arrest your momentum. Yeah. Like stop this person from falling. It is exactly what it sounds like. My mom made me take Latin in high school. Mm-hmm. So I watched it and instantly understood this is just Latin. Mm -hmm. The spell for light, lumos. Right. <laughs> Lumination, basically. Okay. The spell is like one that it's a, 
unforgivable curse, they say, mm-hmm. for killing somebody outright is Avada Kedavra. I know at first it may not sound as blatant as like Arresto Momentum, but she's like basically using the Latin word for uh, corpse, cadaver, cadavra. Mm. Oh, yeah. In that. <laughs> yeah. So all of these spells that she uses are basically just Latin based. And that's what she's doing to try to hmm. give it more of an authentic feel. Not looking up actual spells and incantations, mm-hmm. as is the claim. The funny thing is the only religion that J.K. Rowling has confirmed to not exist in the Harry Potter world is Wiccan. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> well, she's basically sense. stated... Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Right. She's like, that kind of magic doesn't fit in my world. Right. She basically has all the other religions. There's Christianity present because Christian holidays are celebrated mm-hmm. in the books and in the movies. She has stated that some of the characters are Jewish, mm-hmm. you know. J.K. Rowling herself is Catholic, mm-hmm. okay, and she's come under fire even for suggesting, you know, saying things against the current gender ideology mm-hmm. movement. So she's she's liberal with some other things. Like she did come out and say Dumbledore's gay and things right. like that. Now, that's not in the books anywhere. She's just been like, I've decided that he's gay. Right. But you don't pick up on that from reading the books. So she's kind of religious, mm-hmm. but obviously not like really true practicing following christian Mm -hmm. those influences are in there though and the only religion that she has said yeah this religion does not exist in harry potter is that of wiccans and stuff because she like clearly said "Eh, their magic does not work this way she's kind of established her own set of rules for how Mm -hmm. magic works in the harry potter world and it it doesn't line up with modern witchcraft so she said that doesn't exist in her world i can't help but wonder if harry potter were to be written or like a movie made i mean a movie wouldn't mm-hmm. have been made but were the book to be written in the 40s or in the 30s 50s right all around mm-hmm. the time that that lord of the rings and the narnia, chronicles narnia the chronicles of yeah. narnia were written would there have been as much uproar there's a mentality among christians older christians that that older is more wholesome you know and, like, I almost wonder if it's, like, because Narnia and J.R.R. Tolkien is is older, it's like, well, things were just more innocent back then, mm-hmm. you know? But the things now, everything's just really... Dark. Everything's evil. really dark. Everything's evil. demonic. Every, you know, and, and I just wonder, like, man, maybe maybe if, if Harry Potter were written 50, 60 years ago, it, it, would, it would the, be, like, it would be okay to read it. No, no homeschool mom would have... Like, if the exact you know, same story about. was written by C.S. Lewis... <clears throat> Instead of a female Catholic, right? <laughs> Maybe I mean I, I'm, I'm not even putting it Catholic. there. Like I'm not even putting it there. But I just think because just like, change her, the time frame. Her, yeah, just change the time frame because it's like older is more wholesome. You know, like mm-hmm. my mom has gone on record of saying like, man, songs in the '60s, you know, they just were more wholesome. People didn't sing about the kind of stuff they sing about now, and. To some extent, that's true. Have you heard some of the Beatles? I'm just saying. But I can send you some <laughs> Beatles songs. I can send you some songs from like the 50s. And I mean, they're, they're pretty explicit. Mm-hmm. Pretty explicit. Mm-hmm. And I think there's that same kind of mentality when it comes to things like movies and things like that when it comes to, to books even where it's like Narnia and Lord of the Rings are older. Mm-hmm. And so they're just a little more appropriate, more innocent, more wholesome. But this stuff now. And so... It's unfortunate because Harry Potter, first of all, I haven't seen Harry Potter since I was in middle school. 
I like it. I thought it was really good. Um, but I do, I do remember the story and I think there's so many similar themes between Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings Mm -hmm. and Narnia. That's really cool. Like all three of those have something in common and that is Mm -hmm. fellowship. For Narnia, whether it's the Pevensey kids or um, mm-hmm. Ed, um, not Edmund, the annoying boy. Oh my gosh, um, Eustace, 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 Clarence Scrub, and he almost yeah. deserved it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he almost <laughs> deserved it. So, like, there's there's this really beautiful theme of friendship, and the, mm-hmm. you know, the, they're friends with the Narnians, but also just friends with each other. Like there's just these deep bonds created. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Narnia, like there's no, or um, Lord of the Rings, there's no secret. Like there's this fellowship. There's this, like this unification, this strength and mm-hmm. numbers. They're there for each other. They're carrying each other's burdens. And in Harry Potter, it's a lot of the same themes. There's Ron Weasley, Hermione and Harry Potter and Harry Potter's carrying a well, heavy trace amigos. Yeah, and like Harry Potter's carrying this this heavy burden that he, mm-hmm. you know, as being like the chosen one, the one that is expected to defeat you know, evil. defeat the evil. And it's a heavy heavy burden and his friends could say, "You know what? Being around you is too much trouble. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm around you, bad things happen." But instead they push in. Instead they press in that strength in numbers, the same strength in numbers you find in Narnia, mm-hmm. the same strength in numbers Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, that you find in in Lord of the Rings, and I think there's a lot of the same themes, mm-hmm. and I, it's just told through a slightly different medium, and I think it's a shame to throw the baby out with the bathwater, even if yeah. you are worried about some of the more some of the more witchy language used in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you could still show it to your kids with with a caveat, with a with a warning. In some senses, in the same way that you might with Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. like there's some Lord of the Rings scenes... uses a lot of the same terminology. Yeah, sorcery, wizardry, yeah. witchcraft, necromancy, like all of that. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. So be consistent and use the same caveat <clears throat> with Lord of the Rings when you talk to your kids. Well, like when I when I was a kid, my dad was showing me Star Wars, and we got to Revenge of the Sith. You know, mm-hmm. and my dad told me. There's a, there's one part where you need to close your eyes because I was like nine, and it was the Princess part. Princess Leia. No, <laughs> no, because it was Revenge of the Sith. Mm. But Revenge of the Sith. I was thinking. Uh, Return obviously, of the Jedi. we know where my mind went. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Revenge of the Sith. But also that. Also maybe cover your eyes for <laughs> <That's> that. <funny. laughs> um, but in Revenge of the Sith, when Anakin is is crispy in the lava, starts burning alive, mm-hmm. there's just a little intense. And my dad gave me the the caveat I before we watch it. You're gonna, I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes at one point, and I just need you to trust me, you know. Mm-hmm. And, did you? And I did, and okay. I didn't even peek because I was a good, good boy mm-hmm. that listens to his parents. I don't know. I'm not a parent, so what do I know? I feel like teach your kids discernment. Yeah, I feel like you can let them watch things, can, but guide them with how they watch. You can guide them. You can give them the the forewarning. The 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 disclosure. Hey, like there mm-hmm. are some themes in here. There's some, there's some language used. There's a real world counterpart and you do not want to get mixed up with or even pretend to care about or be interested in things like that. Mm-hmm. That's not good. 
my parents actually did have that real conversation with me. But yeah. Kind of, like, there are real, really witches. It was because of, um, uh, what's that? The Halloween, Halloween show with the three witch sisters. Um, Twitches? Is it? Twitches, I maybe? I no. don't know. I can't remember. Oh my gosh. I wasn't well, allowed to watch that I, stuff. Yeah, no. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> but it was just this Halloween show with witches. My mom was like, there are, re- like, this really is in the world. And it's not good. Like, this is just a f- silly show. It's okay for you to watch it. Mm-hmm. But, like, here's, here's a, there is a real world counterpart that, right. you know, like, should be taken. Focus, focus. Hocus, focus. Thanks, Taz. Thanks to the guy in the chair. Got you, bro. Yeah, focus, focus. And mm-hmm. so. That's, I think, uh, like, I think that's possible. I don't know. I'm not a parent. Like I said, I'm not mm-hmm. going to pretend to know this. But I just think that you could give that caveat. Same way that my dad did with Star Wars. The same way my mom did with witches. And say, like, listen, Harry Potter has some really cool themes. There are some really beautiful themes about, a, like, a chosen one, a savior who comes to defeat evil. That's great. That's biblical. Mm-hmm. And then this this idea of fellowship and friendship, strength and mm-hmm. numbers. Like, there's just something really cool there. You can have both. Yeah. And I I think another theme that runs through all of them as well is self-sacrificial love. Mm -hmm. Because you have Aslan giving himself in place of Edmund, who was also a traitor, in Narnia. And then in Lord of the Rings, you do have Frodo basically sacrificing himself in a lot of ways to bring the ring to Mm -hmm. Mount Doom. But you also have Sam, who sacrificed himself to help his friend to get there. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's and self-sacrificial um, love. And Gandalf. And Gandalf. And Gandalf yep. Right? He basically dies and, and comes back, sacrificing himself to save everybody. Run, you fools. Mm-hmm. Or fly, you fools. I, I'm going to get killed by somebody for Somebody's misquoting gonna you. that. You're going to get um, canceled. I'm going to get canceled. Now we're both canceled. <laughs> Crap. Uh, <laughs> but then in Harry Potter, you also have this this theme of self-sacrificial love and that Harry Potter's mom, like the reason that Harry Potter was the boy who lived was because his mother sacrificed herself out of love for her son. Mm -hmm. And Harry Potter sacrifices himself to defeat Voldemort. Ultimately he comes back to life. Spoiler. But to defeat evil, he first had to die to himself. Mm -hmm. Like, so does Dumbledore. So does Dumbledore, yeah. So does Snape. Yeah. So there's these... Hang on, hang on. It sounds like you've seen Harry Potter. Graham. Definitely, yes. Your I mom have. is definitely not allowed to watch this uh, this podcast. <laughs> not this episode. <laughs> well, my mom already knows that I've watched Harry Potter. Okay. But, yeah, some of those same things run through Harry Potter as well. Yeah. So I agree. Like you said, a shame to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think what's funny is that there are probably some people who are so extreme that we lost them already when we mentioned that J.K. Rowling is Catholic and liberal because they already consider Catholics and liberals to be demonic. So they're basically like, well, you just admitted it right then because (laughs) you said she was liberal and Catholic, which means everything she does is demonic. Yeah. So, well, if that's you, I don't know if we can help you. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Only God can help you. Um, one more element to this conversation that I, that I think is important, really important to talk about, because as we kind of wrap up this discussion of like, is it sin? Is it unbiblical? I think it's kind of silly to say that Harry Potter is sinful and demonic and unbiblical. I think you should be able to 
and enjoy it, right? But one thing that we have to be really careful about doing is making something demonic that is not demonic. Because when we do that, I think we give the enemy power. Mm. So is Harry Potter inherently demonic? No, I don't believe it is. And I think it's really rather ridiculous to to say that it is. Has it become demonic? Possibly, mm. at least for some people. For example, if you believe that I have the power to turn you into a pumpkin if you offend me, do I actually possess the power to turn you into a pumpkin? No, I do not. But I definitely hold power over you if you think that. Mm. So, just like, and in the Bible, you have, it, it clearly talks about these demonic forces inhabiting idols. And that people who are worshiping idols, worshiping idols, are legitimately worshiping demons. Mm. Okay? So, they've, humans have erected this, this idol out of wood or out of stone and wood and stone is not inherently demonic, mm-hmm. but because humans have conceded power mm-hmm. to the demonic over this figure that they've made, it has become demonic. Mm. And so they're going to take advantage of the power that you have gifted them. Yeah. And the reason that I bring that up is because not only do I think Harry Potter is not demonic, but I think if you say that it is, you're actually guilty of gifting the enemy power. Mm. You have given the enemy and demonic forces power in saying, this thing is demonic. And they're like, <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, it is. You know, yeah. they're going to manipulate that. They're going to use that. They will absolutely take advantage of your silliness. Mm. Now, maybe I'm being too harsh on people, but I genuinely do feel that way. Like if something, if you say that something is demonic, you have just gifted the enemy power. Well, I think if you're looking for any kind of biblical backing to that, you can find that in Isaiah. Isaiah. Sing it, Tad. <laughs> I forgot how it goes. Uh, What'd you read in Isaiah today? Uh, in Isaiah today. <laughs> um, Sorry, that was pre-podcast and that was very white. Yeah. Where uh, literally I just read it before or started reading it before we said it, but... God instructs Isaiah and his disciples to not call conspiracy mm-hmm. all that the people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear or dread what they dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. And so mm-hmm. there's this call to Isaiah to don't worry about the things that other people worry about. They're worried about wars. They're worried about these things. They're worried about this. Worried about Harry Potter. They're worried about Harry Potter, maybe. That's dumb. You should fear me. I am a lot scarier. I should put dread in you, not Harry Potter. And so Mm. I think that's a similar principle, that you're giving power to something Mm -hmm. that has no power. God is the one with the power. Mm And when you're fearing something that you don't need to, that is, it is unnecessary to fear, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're allowing it control. Mm-hmm. So just like anything, there's a balance. Yes. Right. Spiritual forces 
are at play. Mm-hmm. There, it is something to pray against. Put on the armor of God and pray. Like there are, do not give the devil a foothold. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, like, I'm not. Why would I even be arguing that? Why do I feel the need to counter that? Obviously, there's something to be concerned about when it comes mm-hmm. to demonic forces. Mm-hmm. But I think that principle in Isaiah overtakes that. Don't call conspiracy everything everybody calls conspiracy. And don't be afraid of everything that everybody's afraid of. Be afraid of the Lord because he is the one with the power. He's the one that is in control of everything. Mm-hmm. As you talk about this idea of, you know, if you're admitting that something, if you're saying that something is demonic, you're basically gifting the enemy power for free. To follow that up with a New Testament example as well, Paul warns in the New Testament about teaching the doctrines of demons. Well, what what was the doctrines of demons? Well, in context, what Paul's referring to, the doctrines of demons, is that they were basically offering and selling a false righteousness, an extra layer of righteousness that the Bible does not talk about. They were forbidding people to eat certain meats. Um, they were forget- for forbidding people to marry. So things that made people feel better about themselves, right? Like forbidding marriage, like complete sexual abstinence, like doesn't that feel more righteous, you know, mm. forbidding them to eat certain foods, right? Or food sacrificed to idols. Like we know from scripture that we were free to do that as long as it wasn't a stumbling block. But they're offering this basically face, fake righteousness by calling things that aren't evil, evil mm. to make you feel better about yourself or more righteous or more of a Christian or more whatever, Sure, And so I think that also backs up the point of this idea of not gifting the enemy power. If you have admitted something is demonic that you cannot state from Scripture is clearly a demonic thing, then that's like at least approaching teaching doctrine of demons. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're, you're claiming things the Bible doesn't claim and you're giving them power mm-hmm. over something. So... That's if if there's a reason why it's an important conversation, I think that's it. Because just as and I'll admit, growing up, I I was also I had a huge issue with Harry Potter, and I actively told people not to watch it, you know. Mm. And I'd never seen it or read it before. Now, I'm almost just as zealous about the opposite. Not trying to get people to watch it. Mm. I mean, if you want to, sure. I don't think oh everybody needs to go watch it, but. As zealous as I was for saying you shouldn't watch it because it's sinful, now I am equally as zealous as saying, don't call it demonic. Don't call it evil. Like, mm. there is dan- there's legitimate danger in that because you are working for the enemy, giving him free power. I think we need to be careful, Graham, because yeah. if we keep doing this, what we did this episode, we're going to have to change the name because I feel like everything we touched on is actually really important. <laughs> that was not stuff board Christians should be talking about. Well, I think I think the reason why this topic probably counts as what board Christians talk about is obviously there's way more weighty issues to the Christian faith than Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but it doesn't get much more weightier than spiritual warfare. <laughs> that's true. And I think what we've what we do in this podcast some um, is we take the things that people get so hung up over that aren't as weighty 
and we address them and why it's kind of silly, but we do draw out, okay, if there is an important piece of this, here's where it is. Yeah. Like, so we just, legitimate we just tricked you guys into spiritual formation. Basically. Yeah. We just made you better Christians. You're welcome. So. (laughs) Cool. Alrighty. Well, thanks again so much for listening. I hope that was fun. I hope that we're not canceled. But if you enjoyed the podcast, again, please share with your friends. Please buy some merch. In season two, we're hoping to have some cool uh, guest speakers come and be on the show with us. And we're also hoping to upgrade some of the equipment and stuff. Um, So if Michael and I are too boring for you and you want to have more people on the show, we need more mics. And to buy more mics, we need you to buy the merch. This it's is, a win-win for everybody. It's a win-win for everybody. Because you get a cool shirt, and we get we get some cool mics, we which means cool mics. you get better audio quality, mm-hmm. which means we get more listens, which means we get more money, which means that's it. We just get more money. So actually, we win a little bit more than you do. So, so you should still buy our merch. So there's our shameless, manipulative plug. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, buy the merch, and just donate, too. When you buy the merch, you can you can tip on there. There's like a feature you can add more to donate. All right, so. all right, all right. <laughs> thanks for watching. All right, <laughs> bye. Hey, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. If you like what you see, maybe give us a subscribe. If you don't like what you see, why are you at the end of the video? If you want to watch us, find us on YouTube at What Board Christians Talk About. If you want to listen to us, find us on Spotify and most major podcasting platforms at what board christians talk about and if you want to follow us on social media we're on instagram facebook and tiktok as wbcta 2023 we'll also have a merch store up and the links to that will be available on facebook instagram and youtube again thanks for watching thanks for listening we'll see you on the next episode of what board christians talk about